One thing, one thing. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. This is the New Living Translation version of what you would normally hear in the King James out of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 where it said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Someone who is an arbiter between two. Better, better said, really, the word mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5 says. He is our heavenly go-between. He is the one who has made up the gap. He, is, he has brought peace. He is the peacemaker. The Bible calls him the prince of peace. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I want to tell you right now that the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing in places that folk didn't expect it to. The kingdom of God is advancing... We're crying out and go, God, give us an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in America. Our problem right now is not political. Our problem is not Washington, D.C. Our problem is we need a Savior and a Lord to, to awaken the hearts of the people in this nation. We desperately need revival. And I believe that. I believe that before the Lord returns that I will see an earth shaking the equivalent of a 500-year flood Every generation has a 100-year has a flood. You know, there's, there, there's dew that's day by day on the ground. There's the seasonal rains of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But once in a lifetime, there's a gully washer. And I'm longing to see that before I pass, before I hand this to the next generation and pass the baton. I believe that the Spirit of the, whole, the Lord is going to be poured out. I, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I'm ready for him if he comes before the end of this sermon. Matter of fact, that would be, make me so happy. But if he doesn't, I want to be busy being occupied until he comes. Come on, somebody. Too much of the church, especially in the South, is preoccupied with when he's coming instead of being occupied until he comes. And there's a difference. Would to God people could begin to understand that. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everybody say shalom. It's the way Jewish people, Hebrew people greet each other. Shalom, it's the blessing when you arrive and it's the blessing when you depart. It's like Hawaii, aloha means hello and goodbye. It means till we meet again. Shalom is a, is a wish, it is a prophetic blessing, it's a declaration saying the wholeness of God be your portion, the peace of God be yours and with you also or with you as well. And so when we talk about the shalom of God, we're talking about the wholeness of God. We're talking soundness of mind and spirit and body. Healing physically, sharp mentally, emotionally, sound, financially blessed, relationally, walking in the goodness of God. Every area, the Bible says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want some of that. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to get me some of that. No, you got to say it the way they did on the ball field. When my son was playing t-ball and... They'd, they'd pitch that, or they didn't pitch the ball. I guess it went to kid pitch. And I heard one of the dads used to say, get you some of that. 
And I said, I like that. I'm going to preach that. Get you some of that. G-E-T-C-H-U. Get you some of that. S-U-M-M-A-D-A-T. Look at your neighbor and say, get you some of that. (laughs) He is the Prince of Peace. He is our heavenly shalom. Two points this morning I want to bring. Give up on worry and anxiety is the first one. Give up on worry and anxiety. I shared with you last Sunday as we talked about giving giving up on sadness that we take responsibility for everything that is under our control and trust God with everything else. Last Sunday was about taking responsibility for the things under our control. Today is about trusting God with everything else. If I'm going to have peace in my heart, if I'm going to have internal peace and walk in external peace with my brothers and sisters, I'm going to have to give up on some stuff. I'm going to have to give up on my clinging to the thinking that my constant fretting and worrying and knitting uh, over things is going to make a hill of beans a difference. Most of the time we create 90% of the problems we have because we worry about things that are not even going to happen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good already. Don't worry about anything, the writer says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. As they put that up, oh, you know, just a few things. No, the Bible says don't worry about anything. Everybody say anything. So the, the, the word of the Lord says instead of worrying about anything, he says I want you to pray about everything. I love that. King James says be anxious for nothing. But by everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I grew up quoting King Jimmy, but this is just so much easier. You don't have to break it down and explain it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The thing that you feel like you're going to, to add something to, what was the, 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 the writer of, 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 of Jesus actually himself said in the Sermon on the Mount? Why do you think that taking one thought concerned about the things of tomorrow, you can't add one bit of stature, not one inch? Don't you know that your heavenly Father... Uh, feeds the birds of the air and not one of them falls to the ground that he's not aware of. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's a diminishing number for me these days. I'm just, somebody says, are you upset about it turning gray? I said, no, I just don't want it to turn loose. I love the gray. Gray's fine. I'm, I'm trying to hide this little salad plate I got back here on the back of my head. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Everybody say, thank him. Mm, I I don't care. I'm going to just do this. Thank you, Lord. what it does when I just begin to thank you Lord oh I just want to thank you Lord oh I just want to thank you Lord come on and somebody give me some praise this morning Mm -hmm. 
can be concerned and I can be sad and I can walk to my front room where my grand piano is and I can sit down and just worship him in about three minutes I've totally changed the atmosphere in my house because when I begin to thank him for what he's already done my perspective changes about what I'm going through right now because I know where he's brought me from and I know that he's able to carry me through what I'm facing in this moment and so I've learned to not worry about anything but pray about everything and make sure that I tell him what I need and thank him for everything he's already done. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit. Oh, I wish my church was here this morning to help me preach. He says, if you'll do these things, if you'll do these, look what happens next. Then, everybody say then. Then you will experience God's what? Peace. There it is. Irene is the Greek word. Shalom is the Hebrew word. This wholeness, he says, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, think about this. The Apostle Paul is chained between two praetorian guards in a Philippian jail. He is being guarded and literally he... Every time he has to do anything of human function, if he eats, they're, I don't know if they're unshackling his hands or his, the, the guard next to him has to move the hands so Paul can eat. Just caring about his normal bodily functions and relieving himself, the guards have to go with him because they do not aim for Paul to get free. I don't understand the ability of a man, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's man, I think it's the Spirit of God inside this apostle, this sent one, this anointed man of God that's giving him the ability. Now let me just back up a minute because immediately, as soon as I said that, you guys have dismissed it and went, well, he's in another class. No, it's not his calling that gives him this ability, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in him that gives this ability. Come on, somebody. And that's no different than you. He, Paul didn't have a different Holy Ghost. You've got the same Holy Ghost on the inside of you this morning. Come on, somebody help me a little bit. Say amen. Now, if I were chained between two guards, which limited my movement and every human thing that I had to do, I don't know that I would be writing a letter to you, church, and saying, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Think about it. Think about how frustrated you would be. Think about how aggravated. Think about how lacking in peace you would have being down in a jail cell, knowing you hadn't done anything wrong to deserve being in that place of separation. But yet Paul was able to supersede that. He was able to move across the top of that. He was able to overcome that and get over all of the emotions that that experience would recreate for every one of us. And he was able to write us a letter and say, Folk, when you're going through it, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And tell God what you need and then thank Him for all that He's done. He says, then when you do that, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. King James says, be anxious for nothing but everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. The Greek word for keep is guard. Another reason why I don't use the King James is because these newer translations 
have the meaning of the word right in the translation. His peace will guard. But there's a layer here that I want to give you beyond that because it's literally the word for these two guys that are on both sides of Paul. It's the Greek word for garrison. It's a military term. It means to be surrounded by protection. So there's a guard on Paul's right, there's a guard on Paul's left, and he's looking at them and he's saying, folks, if you will just pray and turn it over to God and choose not to worry and not to be anxious, don't, be, don't let anxiety roll over into you and rob you of your peace. He said, when you do that, God will set a guard on both sides of you and surround you with his protection, and he will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. My, 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 I love that. The Bible says, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. The point is, is that I have the ability to choose what I think about. I can't help when a thought crosses my mind, but I can I have the ability to stop and change the channel, grab the remote and turn my mind to focus on something else, or I can stop and meditate on that thought. And when I stop and meditate that on, on that thought, it's the equivalent of me digging a hole and letting the thought be planted like a seed into the soil of my soul. My, my grandfather, Jake Blake, was certainly not an educated man, but he was a very wise man, and he loved the Lord. He loved the Holy Ghost. He was a spirit, spiritual man, literally said of in his generation as the most righteous man in Mark Tree, Arkansas. They would take people to 138 Pecan Street where Granddad and Granny lived, and Granddad would lay hands on sick people, and they would leave well. And so I grew up around that kind of prayer. They would have prayer meetings every time we'd go every Sunday after church, and we'd drive to Mark Tree, and Granny would cook a whole skillet, slow cook in a cast iron skillet, a whole skillet full of chicken thighs. And oh, I would just, hallelujah, I could speak in tongues right now. <laughs> Thinking about my granny's chicken thighs. Whew. It was amazing. She knew we were coming and she knew me and Dewey, my younger brother, that's boys, love those chicken thighs. And she would always have a whole, whole, whole skillet of them ready for us when we get there. And we'd be outside playing and by the time it'd get, you know, get folks get ready to come home and uh, mom or dad or granny or granddad or somebody would stick their head out the door and say, boys, come on in. It's time to pray. Oh, I don't, I don't want to pray. I don't want to. I'm playing. Now, you know, I was probably seven. Dewey's about four. We're outside playing in the dirt and just doing what kids do, what boys do, you know, six and three. Come on, boys, let's pray. I don't want to pray. And they would wait. Come on, they, they had to come out there and get us. And we'd get in a circle and stand there and hold hands. And they'd just begin to pray. And granddad start praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'd feel stuff I didn't have words to describe. I mean, it wasn't just somebody trying to make me have an experience. It's just like a current. Man, oh, mercy. What in the world? And so I grew up around that. I love the presence of the Holy Spirit. We desperately, as a church, never, ever want to be without it. I don't want a great program that's polished but be without the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, somebody, because that's what will change your life. Just one word. Scripture says, this is extra. He doesn't have it on the screen. Just listen. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true 
and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I started telling you about my granddad, and then I, I wanted to read that scripture. This is what granddad would say. He said, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. Come on, folk. I, I, don't, don't, don't look at me that way. I, I have to fight thought battles just like everybody else in this room does. It's crazy. You, do you know when the parade starts? When I'm preaching or when I'm praying? When I'm proclaiming the word or when I'm seeking the Lord for a word? I can get down on my face in prayer, whether I'm sitting in the chair at my desk, whether I'm lying in the bed face down, whether I'm on the floor, whether I'm on my knees, and I can start to pray. And guys, I will remember stuff that happened to me in the third grade. Have you ever, have you ever seen that happen? Does that happen to anybody else? Why do you think all of it, you're trying to pray, you're trying to tell God what you need, what this scripture says. What do you think's going on? I believe it's the distracting, distractions of the enemy that wants to just make you chase a rabbit down a trail and, 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 and try to get you off focus. Because if you can forget what you were there for and, and all of a sudden get mad at Johnny again, who knocked you off the monkey bars in the third grade, come on, I've had to forgive people. I've been in the down in prayer going... And I just have a memory, and I, I, wait a minute, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 time out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and all of that is purposed. It is sent with the intention of derailing you, distracting you, getting you off of focus. Because the enemy knows that if you will pray and believe that God will move heaven and earth, one word and you are changed. Come on, saints. Let there be light. Now, I have, to, I have to wrestle thoughts. I'm going to make this intensely personal. I might make a couple of folks uncomfortable. I don't mean it to be in any kind of way, but this is reality. Every man in the room knows what I'm talking about. When you see a, a, a gorgeous lady, and you immediately, there's the thought. Now, just because the thought starts doesn't mean I have to let that, start, that thought continue to develop. When that thought's introduced as an invitation to me, there's no sin yet. When I take that thought and I undress her, I don't want to be too crass, and then I involve myself in that thought, then sin, lust, has begun to take hold. I can change the channel. I can grab the remote in my mind and turn the channel before that happens. You see that? I can choose my thoughts. There's an internal conflict that every one of us has, and until we learn to walk in peace inside us, we will never learn to walk in peace outside us with other people. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. Give the Lord praise. I can choose my thoughts. Guard your heart, because it's the old computer rule. Garbage in, garbage out. Guard your heart. What are you putting into it? What are you listening to? Uh, I, I listen to podcasts. I read books. I listen to music. I listen to all kinds of music. But when something is over the top, a lot of foul language, I just turn it off because I don't want that finding a place to lodge in my thinking. Are you hearing me? I just think it's important. Um, there, most of the time, I, I have grace, and I'm not in a place 
where, you know, not just something little offends me, but I remember going to a movie and it offending me and Dawn so much that we got up and walked out of the theater and asked for our money back. The person said, what's wrong? I said, it's just over the top. We can't do it. It's just, it just it offended us. We're not going to do it. Thank you. Let's have our money back. We're going to go do something else. I, I just, I, I think that you need to have, you need to know where the line is drawn and you need to honor that line. Come on, somebody. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Point number two, and I have a two-point message. I'm going to let you out early today. Some of you say, well, I'll believe that when I see it. Just hang on. Number two, point number two, give up on discord and division. Anxiety and worry are internal conflict. And so many times folk are wrestling battles in here and the battle moves outside into their relationships. We want to give up on conflict. Conflict can be anything from a light disagreement all the way to war. War between nations. War between factions in a family. And I just want to say to you this morning that rather than letting your pride get in the way and letting the political argument that will come up at the Christmas table, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, do you know that you can have an opinion that you don't have to let everybody else know what that opinion is? Did you know it's okay to actually sit there and keep your mouth shut? Really. I want you to know that rather than, I think it's pride when I have to be right. It's pride when it's about who is right. But it's righteous when it's about what is right. And it's not always about defending a, a doctrine of the Bible or a political ideology or a conviction of yours. Sometimes it's more important to have unity in a family. Because let me just tell you, you know what, they're a hard line and you fill in the blank. You're a conservative and they're a hard line liberal. You, they ain't nothing you're going to say that's going to change their mind. So just love them anyway. Or you're progressive and they're, they're, a, they're a hard conservative. They're far right and you're far left. Well, come on, come on to the middle and sit down at the table of fellowship and love each other anyway. Because ain't nothing you're going to say at that meal. Come on, they're probably dreading that you're being there too. I can't believe I got to sit down with that cussed blah, 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 this, that, or the other. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Folk dread it. Folk dread it at Thanksgiving. They dread it at Christmas when they got to sit down with all the in-laws and outlaws and all the folk that they, they don't agree with. And some folk are just catty. They're just looking for a place to just land a, a, a good one, just a zinger and get you. You know what? Maturity is when you can be strong enough and you can overlook an offense. And you can just, don't even have to bite your tongue. Just smile and go, man, I love you anyway. You're an idiot, but I love you anyway. <laughs> That's what you want to say. You want to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus is what you want to do. Ooh, I'm real tempted to tell a story from the third grade, but I'm not going to. I'll save it for 2020. All right. Give up on discord and division. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Divisions. Look at that word. Divisions. It obviously means factions or fragmented groups. 
Uh, as, if you read this text, we're not going to take time to read all of it, but there were some folk that were saying they were of Paul, some were of Apollos, some followed Peter, some say, I only follow Christ. Now, you can almost hear the self-righteousness in that group. Oh, I follow only Christ, okay? And so you've got these divisions from the outset, from this amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this worldly city. Corinth was like what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Corinth was... It was the Vegas out there of the Mediterranean. And the Spirit of God was moving. Every worldly, lustful pleasure that you wanted was available in all kinds of opportunities. It was the Amsterdam of the Mediterranean. Everything available in food and sex and shopping and buying and, and every kind of pleasure imaginable. But yet the Spirit of God was being a president and resident in that city and a church was being built that ended up being in the tens of thousands of people that radically shook that corner of the Mediterranean. And if God can do that in Corinth, I believe he can do that in the Delta. I believe he can absorb. I believe he can speak to the ignorance and the poverty and the prejudice and the apathy and all the stuff that's holding the delta back, that is binding people with a, with a ball and chain around us in terms of a perspective and a plantation mentality. The kingdom of God is coming to this area in the name of Jesus. The word division, just to play on the words, if you see the obvious idea is just something that is divided, something that is separated but if, if, if you look at the word itself, you can see two words. You see die and you see vision. When division comes, that's where a vision dies. A vision is split. A vision is overcome by death when division comes, when disunity enters in. So Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying to them, rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. And he's asking them, folk, Rise above all of these little fragmented ideas. This is why at Victory we do everything to remind you that we're not the only people going to heaven. That God has a body that is Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and Lutheran and Roman Catholic and Orthodox and all of these different groups. Let me remind you that just because folk are in those churches doesn't mean they're truly born again and going to heaven. But let me also remind you just because you're in Victory doesn't mean you're born again and going to heaven. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ yourself where you know him as Savior and Lord of your life, where you surrender, where you surrender to him as Savior and to Lord and say, God, here, take me, take my life, change me, transform me, show me who you've made me to be. External conflict is something that we can learn to walk away from. Just because you've been invited to a fight doesn't mean you have to show up for the invitation. Conflict can move from a light disagreement to an argument all the way into war. And sometimes it escalates and continues to escalate that families literally are on no speaking terms. God, help us. If anything in your family is that way, step across the plate. Come on, the first one to say, I'm sorry, is the bravest. The first one to forgive and forget it is the happiest. Come on, there's some folks that have hurt you, that have said things, and you know what? You're holding a grudge against them is not going to affect them. Let it go. It, that will affect you. It will help you to be a better person. Come on, somebody. 
You're sitting waiting and, go, and praying, going, God, let them apologize this Christmas. Let them repent. Let them turn and ask you to forgive them. You know what? It's probably not going to happen. They've probably forgotten about it. They're not even thinking about it. Let it go. Say, Father, I choose to forgive. I choose to walk in love. God, I'm going to be a peacemaker. Even as the Lord's prayer says, forgive those who have trespassed against you. Even as we forgive those, you forgive our debts, O Lord. And so because God has forgiven me, I have a great debt to forgive everyone else around me. I choose to walk in love and forgiveness. Somebody say amen. Amen. The external conflict that we face, the Bible tells us that we're to make every effort. Say those words with me. Make every effort. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm finished this morning. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 4. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Paul is writing this letter too, about while chained between the praetorian guards. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, this is not to fivefold ministry. This is to every person in the body of Christ, every single believer. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Oh my gosh, is that in your Bible? Look at that. Making allowance for each other's faults. Oh my gosh. He says, yeah, but you wouldn't know the idiots that I'm going to have at my table Christmas Day. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you, you just may, you, you, there may be so little sin that your feet barely even touch the ground. You almost walk around six inches off the ground. But I guarantee you there's still some sin in your life. And everybody at the table, sitting at your table, has some faults. Because of your love, let love be bigger than. The Bible says love covers the multitude of sins. How many of you know God makes allowances for you? He makes allowances for me. His grace covers. He loves me in spite of what he doesn't agree with me on. You know, he's going to love me enough that finally I'm going to come around to his way of thinking. That's what the whole object of this thing is about. Somebody say amen. He says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I love that. Come on. Do you have enough love? Do you love that other brother or sister, that cousin, that aunt, that uncle that's going to be at the table that's going to vex everybody? Do you love them enough to love them past what irks you, what rubs you the wrong way? Now, there's a, there, you know, there are ways you can just kind of, you know, help somebody out before they start that. You know, Uncle Hal wants to bring up and talk about whether the impeachment should be totally removing him from the White House or not. Just, just get a fresh piece of pecan pie and say, come on, Uncle Hal, how about have a bite of this? <laughs> and stick it in his mouth. I'm just kidding. You do what you need to do, but make sure that you're walking in love. Come on, somebody. It says, make every effort. Here it is, verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with, say it, with shalom, with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. I believe with all of my heart that there's no way that we can experience the peace of God until we personally know peace with God. It's two different things. Jesus is the mediator. He's brought peace to us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Christ himself has brought peace to us. 
He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. I'm going to skip some verses in verse 18. says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The peace of God that you want to experience that will guard your hearts and minds, the shalom, the wholeness, that ability to take the need to God and put it at the foot of the cross and leave it there. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. And too often we will pick up this bowling ball weight and we will drop it at the foot of the cross and we'll say, Jesus, take this. I cast it on you. But when we turn around and walk away, we're dragging it with us because it's shackled to our ankle. And we're dragging around this worry, this internal conflict, this anxiety. I am thankful that because I know my heart is at peace with God, the Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That means God's not after me. He's not angry with me. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer holding or imputing the sins against people. In other words, God doesn't have a, a, a black book with a whole bunch of marks against you because all of that was absorbed and washed away and buried in the grave and nailed to the cross and Jesus took it down with him. He overcame all of the curse and sin and sickness and the accusation of the law and death and he arose victorious over it. God's not holding a record. He's the strongest and the bravest because he was the first to forgive. And he's the happiest because he's the first to forget. But the issue is I've not been reconciled to God. He's reached out to clear my side. You know what happens when you get your bank statement and you make your checkbook agree with the bank statement and the deposits you've made since they printed it, the withdrawals you've made since they printed it, and you have to add and subtract and do that stuff and reconcile your statement. You're getting your checkbook in agreement. There's no more division. There's no more conflict. There's unity. There's peace. The Bible says God reconciled. God was reconciling the world in Christ. And so the prayer now is, at the close of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, now we beseech you by saying, be reconciled to God. So God's already met you halfway, actually more than half. He's of the 100 steps, he's run 99 of them toward you. All you have to do is reach out the one step this morning, the scripture says, and take hold of his gift of grace by faith. Very simply, you want peace of God? Come on, let, let me show you how the peace with God works first. Because God's not angry with anybody in this room. He wants to love you and bless you and bring, bring, bring blessing to your life. The scripture says, Jesus said in John 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It begins by having the peace with God. God's on my side. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm his child. He's called me. I have a purpose. He didn't make any junk. I'm not a mistake. He's given me a purpose. I've got a future. I have a hope. He's shed his love upon me. He's put joy in my heart. That all comes when you have peace with God. Hallelujah. Anybody hearing something this morning, you feel like the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. Let's bow our hearts together right now in this moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to give you this.